Before we start today's episode of Zillennial Canon, we just wanted to let you know that there's a link in our description to some friends of the pod, including Adam's second podcast, Aggressively Okay, that he hosts with Joe, Back to Back, SeltzerCast, and a few others that we know you'll enjoy. Thanks for supporting us, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, y'all, this is Zach. Uh, I really just had to call when I found out that y'all were doing Meet the Robinsons, and I know that that <laughs> may sound like a crazy thing to have somebody randomly call in on, but I guess it is kind of the point of this podcast, just kind of seeing like, oh, hey, this like meant something to you as uh, a young person or whatever. Anyways, I really love this movie a whole lot. I think it's like majorly slept on. I think it's like easily, honestly, one of the best, like more modern Disney movies that came at that sort of transitional time when they were getting a 3D, but still really having its own kind of unique energy and personality to it. That's like different from what came before it. And like, I don't know, like I really love this a lot. I love the whole retro futuristic aesthetic I love all the characters. I think the writing is great. I think it generally has some great plot twists, you know, especially for like when you're watching for the first time and just some really good and like smart, funny writing to it that (laughs) also like gets really surprisingly deep. And I don't know, like everything about it, the characters, the music, and especially that ending, like every time always gets me, always makes me cry. And I think it's great because it sort of takes – Walt Disney's idea and like kind of lets you separate what he was going for away from him, which I think is better than just taking it straight from him. So I don't know. I think that works really well and I'm really happy to hear y'all talk about it and I can't wait to listen to this episode. All right. Love y'all. Bye. everybody welcome again back to the future to as disney plus describes it the year 2037 this is millennial canon i'm kira and i'm adam and uh wait did the jonas brothers do a song for this movie or am i misremembering that um was year 3000 for this i don't think it was for this but i think some of the commercials might have used it the vibes were there definitely definitely um, so yeah, we're talking about a classic, or at least I think a classic, a Disney, a classic Disney movie this week, uh, 2007's Meet the Robinsons. Um, this is one of the movies that Kira just, you know, traditionally texts me like, hey, can we watch this this week? And here we are. It's a movie that Kira felt like watching. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know why I felt like watching this lately. Um, yeah, so, sorry, one second. <laughs> I'm just dealing with something right now, listeners. Um, You're going to have to edit this part. No, I won't. This is an audio medium. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting completely out of frame from Adam's Skype call. 
um, because there's a cricket that found its way into my home. Don't know where the fuck he is, but he's been annoying me all day long. And he decided to shut up for a few hours as I was watching the 2007 film Meet the Robinsons. And I was like, thank God he left. The second I got on a Skype call with Adam, he decides to sit directly behind wherever in the mic range and just start screaming. So I'm out of frame trying to move the microphone as far away as possible from this little guy. This, this little guy. Just a little dude. Um, yeah, he, he's a little bugger, but, uh, you know, what can you do? Um, Kira is currently kicking the desk to get him to shut up. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. Oh, good. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm dealing with that. How Uh, are you doing, Adam? Um, you know, in the midst of a crazy work schedule and depressive episodes and uh gee golly just the wonderful life of being in florida during a pandemic i'm uh i'm doing amazing that's really nice to hear yeah yeah and you know it's it's just really nice to have this podcast to 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 rely on so we can go back and watch mid-2000s treasures just to cheer me up each week you know like it's really nice yeah, I mm-hmm. um, I feel the same. Uh, it was very delightful to sit and watch this today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to watch it like all the time when I was a kid. Um, my DVD we got it from Blockbuster, so it had that like chunky cover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was like from that era where it was like the beginning of Bob Iger. Where it was like they weren't making like princess movies, but they were just making these like weird like animated things. Like I was like, oh, literally like Chicken Little, and that yeah. was like immediately recommended to me after I watched this. I like, was just about to say that that was my immediate Disney Plus recommendation after this was over. Um, yeah, so that was an interesting period of like 2000. Is that when he came in 2005? Yeah. Um. Yeah, 2005 was, like, an interesting, like, period. Because it, like, that really was, like, that's the Disney that I kind of firmly remember. is like, that 2005-ish era. And even though this came out in 2007, it feels, like, very, like, conceptually, like, 2004 and 5. Like, almost, like, the last of those early 2000s developments that were actually made by that point. And then, like, everything after this was kind of, like, either you know, big commercial success or, like, IP things. Like, this really feels like almost like a last hurrah of, like, traditional Disney, almost. And when yeah. I say traditional Disney, I mean, like, weird Disney, not even traditional Disney. Yeah, um, it's definitely a weird, like, transitional period. Um, like, Walt Disney animation, I feel like, is not really... Like, when I think of Walt Disney animation... It's, like, as of recent, they've made, like, Frozen, like, Moana. I don't know, Tangled, Moana. Yeah, all, like, technically, like, princess movies and, like, Wreck-It Ralph and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like those feel a lot like bigger and like more, even though they are like funny and fun, like they feel a little bit more like self-serious. And I don't know if it's just like looking back in retrospect, like why was Chicken Little a movie mm-hmm. or what? But like, yeah, it's definitely. And I think anything that like, um, anything that like includes like the whole like, Walt Disney of it all in like a way that's not like about like magic and stuff like that is very interesting to me when they decide to take like the aesthetics and like I don't know like I feel like when people associate Walt Disney with things like it'll be like magic and like dreams and things like that and it's really interesting to take like the um more like um technical aspects of like things that he liked and valued and like put them into like media yeah because I remember um after I saw this in theaters for the first time like you don't really pick up on the like Walt Disney-isms of it all until like after it's over I feel like it's one of those movies that all the like inspirations or I guess if you're it depends how much into Disney you are um but like I remember when it ended I was and it ends with like a Walt Disney quota as a kid I was just kind of like taken aback by that I was like oh that's interesting like I didn't realize this was like a Walt Disney tribute movie or whatever but then you like watch it again as an adult it's like today land and like uh, all that stuff it's it's definitely there and it's interesting and I think it's really sweet um but yeah I think like any Disney movie that is not like something you said uh, is like how those other movies feel very big, like in scale. And, uh, and I love those movies. Like I think Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph are like great movies, you know? Um, but there is something really nice about this one. Not only like in terms of like actual, like narrative scale, but also just in terms of like simplicity and story. Like it, it's sporadic in like it's humor and it's very weird in that way. And I like that. But it's just so contained, and I, like, kind of really love that. Yeah. It's also, like, an interesting time for Disney in that, like, um, I don't know. I was just trying to, like, put it onto some sort of timeline. Like, not really, I guess. But um, when I was watching it, like, it reminded me of, like, how Phineas and Ferb came out at, like, the exact time of this movie. Like, like 2006, 2007-ish. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2007 because it was High School Musical 2 it premiered <laughs> alongside but um, you know yeah. that's just like random like things in my brain like I just love making timelines of uh, our lives through media but yeah like Bowler Hat Guy I was like oh like Doofenshmirtz and like I feel like inventing was like such a big thing and it's almost like not like marketed to like boys or girls like it's just kind of like a like here you go (laughs) you know what I mean um I think that that's um really interesting how that is um you know it's also like a weird movie to market Mm -hmm. like I find that like a lot of Pixar movies are like that usually um but this is a movie that I'm like I feel like I would find so many, like, toys of it at, like, a thrift store or something. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when it was coming out, it wasn't even, like, 
I mean, it was marketed well from what I remember, but it wasn't like as heavily marketed as like a Pixar movie or it wasn't as heavily marketed as like even a, uh, a Tangled or, you know, what have you. It it was just kind of like there. It came out in March of 2007, I remember. It wasn't like a summer release. It wasn't like a winter release. It wasn't like a spring release, which I thought was interesting, you know? And because I remember when it came out, I just, I was able to see it because it wasn't like clogged up by like the box off schedule. Like there wasn't anything really releasing around it. So like when it finally came out, like it was just great to go back to the theater at that point. I remember because there had not been nothing for weeks, like as a kid, to go see. And um, it's just it's interesting. And like also what you said, like how it's not marketed to boys or girls. It's just like kind of there. Like it's a weird mishmash of things. And I miss that in like Disney because now it feels like it's definitely like pandering almost, like the way they market movies. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, that's really appealing about this movie. It's just such a... Like, that's always the best kind of movie. It's the one you can't market. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I have so much nostalgia for this, like, weird little period of Disney. Um, And I feel like this might have been, like... Again, it feels like the last hurrah, almost, of that era. And it's, like, a good sense of humor, too. Like, I feel like now... I feel like we brought it up before, but, like, the sense of humor that's in, like, kids movies now that's like well that happened like huh like you know what I mean feel like okay so like I think this movie like 90% of it has like really good inventive uh like just throw everything you have at the wall and see what sticks kind of humor which I love um but there's like a 10% of it that kind of does have the well that happened kind of edge to it and it feels like this was like kind of the starting period where they were like throwing those like self-aware jokes into these movies mm-hmm. and um I, it definitely didn't ruin anything it, this movie is still great in my opinion but there were a few moments where i could catch them kind of like doing like a little bit too much like winking at the camera and i was kind of like okay like sh- sure like mm-hmm. let's just like so like i could see kind of starting here conceptually like the the self-awareisms of uh <laughs> of disney comedy yeah um well, should we start at the beginning? Um, um, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, so, it's, this movie is fucking sad, by the way, guys. Yeah, it's incredibly sad. Um, <laughs> both of us sent pictures of ourselves crying to each other as we as we watched the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam said, who's cutting the onions? Um, <laughs> yeah, I um. So we're recording on Monday this week before the Thursday upload and I watched it last night on Sunday after I got off like a nine hour shift and uh, I just fucking sobbed at the end of this movie um, I, I was already feeling it at the beginning but by the end I fucking just I, I let it all out like it completely something about not to skip ahead but that song they play at the end of the movie whatever yeah Rob Thomas from uh that song Smooth featuring Carlos Santana, you know. No, I don't know. Oh, um, well the singer the singer of the <laughs> the singer of the song Little Wonders was in the song Smooth by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. Sure. Um yeah, no, sure. Uh, I think 
I have no idea what you're saying. Are you not aware of that meme? That's like the most millennial song of all time. I probably know the song. I just don't know it by name. Uh, just like the ocean. So it's the same emotion that I get from you. You got the kind of love. Oh. Give me oh. a heart. Oh. Oh. Okay. about it. What? Um, I. So you can't even. It's funny. It looks like my bookshelf is singing to you because I'm just sitting out of frame. So that fucker that wrote that song, he wrote the song that makes me cry at the end of this movie. I, he sings it. I don't know if he wrote I, it. I mean, that's how I meant. He yeah. sings it. Okay. Yeah. No, well, yeah. The song, like, it, it rips your heart out, literally. Yeah. Like, fuck. It's, it's good. It's really good. Um, and, and again, I, I was curious upon rewatch if this movie would hold up. Um, because I remember it being sad, right? And I know it's one of those movies that makes me cry every single fucking time I watch it. Like, no matter where I am in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, circumstantially. <laughs> like, at all. Like, it, it as a kid, it made me cry. As a teenager, it made me cry. And now as a fully formed adult, it also makes me cry. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of curious on this rewatch. I'm like, okay, it's going to make me cry. I'm aware of this. But am I going to like the other stuff, too? And, yeah, I do. I like mm-hmm. all of this movie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the opening is... It's very traditional, Disney. Like, it's very, like, orphan kids uh, can't get adopted. Uh, he's a scientist, you know, zillennial Czech kid who's a scientist. Yeah. Um... School projects exploding is millennial canon, I think. Like uh, science fairs and your project for it exploding is millennial canon. Um, guy wearing a toga slash dress and your gym teacher being like, what's with the dress? That's millennial canon. Uh, an air horn to wake somebody up is millennial canon. Um, sleepy motherfuckers. That's millennial canon. Uh, peanut allergies, Zillennial canon. This movie, this movie made me fucking terrified of EpiPens. Can I just say that? Me too. Um, uh, there's also some other Zillennial canon things. Uh, goth girls who just have, like, one-line delivery. And, uh, it's, like, really menacing for, like, one second. Um, just, like, sporadic. Like, characters who the entire, like, comedic delivery is just them screaming into the camera. And it's supposed to be like the height of comedy. That's okay. However, what? I haven't slept in days. Ah, sorry. That was like you tweeted the thing about the big head and little arms having a hold on elementary school students. That uh-huh. the caffeine patch, all the lines in that scene that Lucille spoke, like that was quoted for years, I feel like, in elementary school. Yeah, it that that was super funny, like that, and that's Lori Metcalf, right? That uh does the voice. Maybe it sounds I, like her. I think Let's it just is. sit with what we've heard. <laughs> um, no, that's super funny. Um, uh, oh, but the biggest little canon thing is like taking like just not a animal that you'd expect to be like marketable and making it marketable with the frogs. Like you wouldn't 
think because like usually you would go for like a, a a more traditionally cute animal but when you Italian put, frog Italian frogs who can sing it's Frankie Valley as a frog like it's so stupid and weird and I love it it's so funny <laughs> like, it's like, also like the like sidekick of the villain being like just like a hat yeah just bowler a, hat guy um so I'm going to like this like Disney after party in a few weeks and they just announced I didn't even tell you we were literally just talking about this so they're doing like villain like parades or whatever and they like bring out like old like villains that are never usually around the parks Mm -hmm. and that's like one of the parades and the other parade is just like a big nightmare before Christmas parade but they just announced that one of the villains is going to be the bowler hat guy really yeah that's wild. I it's saw so um, fucking funny. Well, I, I was uh I was on the what do you call it the, the Disney website when we were talking about it earlier, and right. I saw they have the the guy from um Princess and the Frog. I forgot the villain's name mm-hmm. in that movie. Um, but as one of them, which by the way, saw that for the first time last year. Great movie. Uh, really, you didn't see it like when it first came out? No, I'm stupid. It was just one of those movies I missed. Oh, okay. Because again, that was like I think I talked about it before on the pod. No, actually, I talked it on about an AOK, mm-hmm. but um, no, it was like when I was turning. It came out two thousand nine, and that was like when I was twelve, like almost thirteen. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're almost a teen, you're like, I don't like baby movies, and it's mm-hmm. like, so I just didn't really see them as much, and that's when I just missed, and I never watched. Um, but you know, luckily, Meet the Robinsons came out before that, so it's all good. Yeah. Um, did you see this in theaters, or was this one you, like, watched at home for the first time? Um, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. Um, I just really remember, like, watching it and watching it over and over again um, on DVD from my chunky blockbuster DVD. Um, I was going to say they don't, like, I don't know if you remember this, but this is one of the very first movies that was marketed with like seen in Disney Digital 3D. And then you look for showtimes and there were no theaters in your area showing it in Disney Digital 3D. I that's wild. I feel like that was like such a moment. What was your first do you remember what your first like real D 3D movie was? Specifically real D? Yeah. Um like the black glasses. No, no, yeah, no, no. I know. Um, keep talking, and I'm, I'm gonna like look it up on Wikipedia, like the list of their movies. <laughs> no, mine, like, I... mine was the Journey to the Center of the Earth movie with Brendan Fraser and Josh Hutcherson. See, I wanted to go to it because to go see that just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remembered none of the theaters in my area had like 3D projector or like projectors that were like 3D equipped at the time. <laughs> so I just. I never did. I didn't watch it at home. Um, okay, I can't find it, uh, like a list of all their movies. Um, but the earliest memory that I have of one, and I could be mistaken here, but I think it was Jim Carrey's A Christmas Carol. Hmm. I think. Um, no, that sounds about right. No, actually, no, 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 it wasn't. It was the Toy Story 1 and 2 double feature. Uh, like summer 2009. Um, 
they showed both Toy Story movies back to back in 3D. And that's also like where I first saw the Toy Story 3 trailer, I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that when they like re released them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like 90% sure that was my first like 3D movie. Um, because do you remember like in 2010 when like all the kids in school were like cutting out the, the frames and were like wearing them as glasses? Yeah, I absolutely did. Yeah. The worst. Yeah. What a what a dark period. Um <laughs> well I think even worse is that um I like went to go see the Justin Bieber concert movie in Real D three D and I had a purple pair. <laughs> so I popped the lenses out of those babies. It's purple pair. I can't wait to cover that movie as Oh no, <laughs> absolutely fucking not. <laughs> absolutely god damn not we no absolutely not um god well all right there's that hannah montana and the jonas brothers movie we already did the high school musical concert yeah um i haven't seen any of them like i didn't i didn't watch any of those movies well i think i only saw I saw, like, scenes from the Hannah Montana one, but because it was, like, Hannah Montana slash Jonas Brothers, right? I don't, I don't know. I, maybe. <laughs> um, wait, are you going to make me watch that, that, that One Direction movie directed by uh, the dude who did Super Size Me? Oh, jeez. Um, maybe. And I should think about it. I actually I'm, haven't seen that yet. I Really, that's surprising. Yeah, um, because I got into a car accident like three days before I was supposed to go see it. Oh, wait, like <laughs> back in twenty twelve? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, because like it feels like I should never watch that movie as like considering it's like almost ten years ago at this point. But on the other hand, it's like Scorsese's in there. It's probably a good movie. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. It's not even me being like a dude who's like, oh, I don't want to watch One Direction. It's just like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, they've been broken up for how many years? Like, like 10. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, every single fucking girl I match with on Hinge is like a One Direction stand. So yeah. I feel like it may be informative for me. Like, it yeah, might you be need like, that knowledge. It might be a sacred text. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, do you think. I was going to try to transition to beat the Robinson. I was going to be like, do you think Goob listens to, like, what do you think his favorite One Direction song is? But No, I think Goob is, like, an e-boy Zoomer. Okay, I, I saw that tweet the other day where, back in 2019, I tweeted, y'all let guys who look like Goob from Meet the Robinsons break your heart. And, yeah, he is, like, the OG e-boy. Yeah. Goob is probably, like, one of my favorite Disney characters, hands down. Like, I don't know a better character. I think there's, like, an, like, innate sadness to him. Um, I and, like that his name is Goob. Yeah. <laughs> um, something about this, like, you know how, like, The Incredibles is supposed to be, like, kind of, sort of, based, like, set in, like, the 60s or the 50s or whatever without, like, without it being, like, said to be set in the 50s or 60s. Mm -hmm. So I thought that this was set in the 50s, um, 
just because of the whole like style of it and everything um but then like they travel forward in time to 2037 um and that would just make sense timeline wise of like how old he is and stuff but there's something about like goob and um lewis's like relationship and like their voice acting and stuff like they kind of feel like peanuts characters Mm-hmm. And, like, both of their, like, motivations and stuff and, like, the like what all the characters wear and everything. Like, it just feels very, like, old. But Goob feels like an even sadder version of Linus. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because they're fucking orphans. And, uh... <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because they're fucking orphans. <laughs> No, and it's it's very sad. Like, yeah, I was already getting like sad at the beginning of this movie. Like, when um when uh what's his name? What the the main character's name? No, Lewis. Um, God, I sound like such unprofessional. Like when I don't even know the main character's name of the movie we're talking about. Um, when he's just like he's up all night. Like he's he wants to just he wants to put he wants to see his mom. You know, mm-hmm. like he's putting it together. Like that's so sad. Like it's and it's so sad the way he like clings on to it like so deeply. Mm-hmm. And like when he goes up to the rooftop and he shows um the caretaker like how he's been marking like all the failed attempts of being adopted and like how he's on the cusp of being a teenager and like the statistic of not being adopted when you're a teen like dude this shit is so sad at the beginning <laughs> like and you can throw out as many pop songs as, as you want to like lighten the blow but it's sad yeah um yeah i think also just like the idea of how this movie like frames like failures Mm-hmm. and how it frames them as like um one second how he like sees how he sees all of his like failures as like dead ends and how he sees himself as like a failure itself um and then when he like meets like the new family who like he then is revealed that it is his actual family from the future, um, how failures are, like, celebrated. Mm-hmm. And he basically sees himself as, like, a lost cause, like, especially, like, like you said, like, with him, like, not getting adopted. I don't know. I just think it's, like, really good to, like, have that specific message of, like, it's okay if you fail because, like, you can make things out of it. Yeah, like, it, he's a really compelling character because he, like, is so hard on himself. And it's, like, it, it's something that I feel like kids, especially, like, in the 2000s era, like, it, it was, like, statistically proven that, like, it was the most stressed era of children, you know? Like, um, just, like, the, the, the weight of, like, post-9-11 culture and um, the economy and, like, everything at the time. You know, kids really went through it back then. And um, it's us. We're kids. And <laughs> the kids in question. Not um, but I think it's a he's a great character to have in this movie because, like, again, like even if you're not in that exact situation where you know you're you're an orphan or you have a time machine, um, it's like he, he's innately relatable in the sense of like he just feels like 
hopeless and like almost and it's like really but it's also beautiful the way the story like unravels and the way he like like the ups and downs of his hope like he's like an insanely optimistic person but just for like all the wrong things almost yeah and it's just like by the end when he finally gets the optimism like for the right things it's beautiful and it's heartwarming and it's perfect yeah um also just like seeing like his doubts like a lot of this movie is like the stakes are so high but the stakes in this like other time travel movies like yes it's basically like hinging on like oh if you don't do this like we won't exist like this all won't exist but I feel like this more so focuses like this kind of like mentions that Mm -hmm. but this kind of focuses more on like the like you have to like believe in yourself enough to fix this yeah it's I mean it doesn't really present that like we won't exist concept until like almost the very end Mm -hmm. and it's like and you're right but like it only like really it's only only in service to the actual message of the movie which is Mm -hmm. like it's refreshing and nice and it's like and I was also thinking that when I was watching because like you're right so many of these movies are bogged down by like the intricacies of time travel and I was even like thinking that when I was watching it I'm like well if he does this wouldn't that contradict like mm-hmm. this and that I'm like well I'm like, then I was like well who fucking cares like it's a sweet movie like yeah it's and honestly I miss back like when time travel stuff was like simple you know like yeah just go back and go forward and there's no repercussions it's okay you can meet your future wife it's fine yeah it doesn't matter yeah um but you know when not to jump ahead but when all those like things start clicking and you see who's who and his past mm-hmm. damn that's when I started crying I I will honestly say and like as a kid I, I don't know if a twist has ever like hit me this hard and I, I don't know if it's because I was stupid as a kid which like I was but or if it was just like a really like well because like as an adult I can't watch this without my memories as a kid like taking over right mm-hmm. like I can't watch this now and be like well that was noticeable or that was not like I I can't tell if it was obvious or not like all these things like there's definitely hints yeah. but like as a kid like I was completely like blown away by like who was who and like um you know because it's also brief at the beginning uh. Like, all yeah. these interactions that he has. Like, especially that of Goob being the, the bowler hat man, you know? That's, I completely forgot about that. I didn't forget about it. But it, I think it's a really good twist. Like, a really, mm-hmm. really good twist. And I think it's also, like... um, It's interesting how, like, they kind of take, like the whole like butterfly effect of it all it's not like the butterfly effect but how like one like one tiny thing in your past can change your entire future or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's like because he was up all night inventing he didn't get a good night's sleep so then everyone like fucking hated him because he fell asleep at the baseball game yeah and it's it's really sad but like it's also funny like how quickly 
it changes like when uh, when when Lewis goes back in time and or goes mm-hmm. back to the present rather and wakes him up for the baseball game at the end like it's it's just like really like I love the message it's like all, like the little things matter like it's the details like all the details in this movie are like so precise and it's like it's really refreshing to see a movie like really hinge on smaller details and again like not big world building or franchise setup. Like, I think maybe that's also why this is so appealing. Is like, it doesn't feel like it's trying to start a franchise. Like, this yeah. is, like, one of the few Disney movies that, like, just really felt like he was trying to tell one story. Like, that's it. I think that's another thing that kind of sets apart these early 2000s um, movies is that they're very, very, very much standalone. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even thinking about it, but I would absolutely rope in, um, which this was uh, pre- pre-Iger it was like the end of Eisner just transitioning to Iger uh Lilo and Stitch yeah and Lilo and Stitch was definitely one that they I don't think expected to be so big it definitely works as a standalone like does not need anything else but obviously like we got like the tv show like your beloved Stitch Glitch movie um my beloved yeah is it my beloved? Yeah, you always brought it up, like, at the beginning of the podcast, and, like, when we were making the podcast, you're like, we need to put Stitch, Stitch has a glitch um, on the list, or something like that. I think I just like the title, like, I like, it's, <laughs> it's like, he has a glitch, his name's Stitch, yeah. and he has a glitch, like, that's everything you need to know about the movie. Yeah, you're a going. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, But um, you know, okay. And then like like, the um, merchandise, like Stitch, just became like the most popular Disney character of all time, like in the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, because I remember, like even in high school, my uh, my TV production teacher, she had like a bunch of like Stitch memorabilia on her desk, Mm -hmm. and like, yeah, like he's. He's like super marketable to the point of where I'm surprised they never did a theatrical sequel, um, yeah, to that movie because it probably would have done amazing at the box office. Uh, uh, I think they're doing a live action thing for Disney Plus soon, which like whatever. But um, that was like, and it makes me wonder if Meet the Robinsons was as big of a hit as mm-hmm. uh, Lilo and Stitch was. What would have, like, a TV show or spinoff or, like, what could you even do with it moving forward? I don't know. Because, like, I guess, like, time travel adventures. I You know, the route that I could see them going with this, if it came out a few years later, is doing, like, little shorts with, like, each of the characters. Because there's just so many different characters. I could imagine them doing like five minute shorts of like the guy like racing the train or like the octopus at the door, like yeah, it, like interacting with like the twins outside the door or, wh- or whatever. Yeah, like I mean, definitely like shorts, like the, the shorts for any Disney movie is like it, that's easy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like you could do shorts for Home on the Range or some bullshit. Like you could, <laughs> you know, but like I don't know, like. Because like imagine if this movie made like a billion dollars, Disney would have they would have greenlit a sequel before they had a script. You know, they would have been like, uh, "We're we're doing it. We don't care what it is." Yeah. Like, 
so like I'm even like, but like it's so interesting. Like you could have a movie as self-contained as this, but if it made enough money, they would have done a sequel. And but the thing is, I have no idea what they would do with it. Like the only thing I could see is like he just has to go back in time to get Lewis one more time for like another adventure, but like not connected to the family, or like even an adventure with the whole family involved or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could see something like that, but. I don't know. Like, this is just like one of those really fascinating standalone Disney movies. And I think that's what makes it feel so unique and different, opposed to actually being unique and different. <laughs> you know, um, I have information on a sequel. Okay. So, um, breaking news, folks. It was supposed to be a direct to DVD sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was canceled because John Lasseter became, which evil, evil man, mm-hmm. um, he became the chief creative officer of the animation studios. And he canceled all future direct-to-DVD sequels. And it was called Meet the Robinsons 2 First Date. Um, there was no plot known for the movie, but it was supposed to be a direct-to-DVD sequel. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious, like, what the plot might have been. Like, there's a lot of, like, there's a big history of, like, canceled Disney sequels or, like, scrap Disney ideas. Like, one of my most, like, the ones I find the most fascinating is, like, when um, Disney and Pixar were going through that period where you uh, they thought they might not make movies together anymore. And mm-hmm. Pixar might be, like, its own separate entity. Um, and Disney, I believe, was trying to do a Toy Story 4, I, no, I can't, it was either 3 or 4, um, without Pixar, basically. Um, and it was about, like, uh, Buzz being recalled to Japan or something, where he was built, and all the, uh, all the toys going to, like, find him or, like, rescue him or something, and it's just like it's not even interesting because like the plot sounds good, but just it's interesting because like what would a non-Pixar Toy Story movie look like? No, like, exactly. Um, probably would have been terrible, honestly. Um, because it feels like anytime they try to do that, like have you watched any of Monsters at Work, the Disney Plus show? No, I heard it's like okay. It's like it's it's like nothing. It's it's content. Like that's all yeah. it is. Like it's. And I hate to sound like cynical about it because it's like it's harmless and fine, but it just and it's not for me, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was like watching like the first two episodes, and I'm like, it's just, like just objectively, it's not even like a quarter percent as creative as the movie, either movies of the Monsters well, Universe. Like it's also like like what we were saying about like the like how there was a Lilo and Stitch TV show. I, I will like. I will say, I think that was a little better. But it's also, like, when they have, like, a spinoff of, like, a movie like that, where Mm -hmm. there's, like, so much emotional heart and stuff like that. Like, the TV show focuses on, like, the alien aspect of it. I Um, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it does, but, like, something I liked about the TV show was that it, still managed to keep it like her sister was still like a prevalent part of the show like yeah. um it just like it it really just like doubled down on every aspect of the movie which i liked mm. 
I mean, it definitely like made it bigger because it was like it was like X Files with Lilo and Stitch, which I liked. Like it was it was X Files in Hawaii. That's what it was. It was like an Alien of the Week. It was yeah. fun, you know. It was cute. Um, actually, yeah. Now that because I I questioned you earlier, but now that I'm thinking about it, I have like really good memories with like just that entire era of Lilo and Stitch. Um, yeah. Shout out to that sandwich stacker game on DisneyChannel.com. Oh yeah, that's like the best content to come out of Disney ever. Yeah. Yeah. And the <laughs> that's so Raven like pinball game. Um, I don't know if I played that one. And that game where like you're like running around the Tipton Hotel. I do remember that one. You go up like, like, like all the bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. We're just gonna really quick take a break for a word from some of our sponsors. Thanks, guys. Hey friends, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? Of course you do. That's why you listen to this podcast. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, Zillennial Canon Award winner, I'll add that, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies By Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and shifts with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. As a special gift to you, because we love you and appreciate you, listeners can save 10% on their next order with code SUPERZILLENNIAL in all caps with no spaces at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Thank you so much, Super Yaki, for sponsoring this episode. Let's watch more movies, guys. I'm looking at the box office for this movie right now. And it had a budget of $150 million. Um, and worldwide, it only made $169 million, um, Which, not like awful, but definitely not ideal. And definitely explains why there wasn't a sequel. Um, domestically, it did 97 which... Like that's fine. Like yeah. So it like it did decent at best, and that explains why there was never like a a sequel. Um, one thing also that you kind of have to look at um is definitely like international um because especially with Disney, mm-hmm. like internationally like i have like a shop where i order stuff from like different international disney parks um like they will focus like merchandise on the most random characters mm-hmm. like in tokyo like do you remember that like creepy baby doll from um toy story 4 oh. that was played by christina Hendricks? yeah the bad guy or yeah, she's like massive in in Tokyo Disney. Is she? Yeah, and That's... they had like a whole line <laughs> of merchandise, like based on like the oysters from Alice in Wonderland. 
Like, it'll be, like, the most random characters. Lotso is massive over there. Um, so, like, random movies will, like, like be, like, really big merchandise-wise. Just based on, like, the designs of the characters and things like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I find that fascinating. Like, I, I know that Disney is, like... I mean, I hate to, like, say this, but, like, they definitely, like... like they prioritize, like, marketability over, like, storytelling nowadays. Yeah. And okay. and I'm not saying you can't do a good movie, like, and mix that in. Like, I think more than anything, like, Star Wars has proven, like, that you can... Because, like, every single Star Wars movie, they have to add a new lightsaber, a new droid, a new this and that for, for marketing, right? Mm-hmm. For toy sales. That's to be expected, like, in anything in this conglomerate of, like, Hollywood. Um, but it is interesting how, like, you go for something like Meet the Robinsons, which there's, like, nothing really marketable about it, you know? Because, um, like, there's nothing, like, all the, like, little family side characters in this movie... They're not, I mean, I they're funny, but they're not, like, there's nothing distinct about them to the point where you'd want to buy, like, a, a, like a, a, a keychain of one of them, you know? You wouldn't want to buy a t-shirt with one of them. Or, or, when I say you wouldn't, I mean, like, the, the mass populace, you know? I like, mean, like, the only thing I could really think of that I'm like, oh my god, that's adorable, I want... I want them is like the singing frogs. The frogs are great. Um, but then it's like, I feel like we like them because it's like, they're literally like good fellas. Like they're like throwing bodies into the trunk of their car. Dude, I'm telling you, it's literally Frankie Valley. Like he's, like, he's literally, it's the fucking Jersey boys as directed frogs. by Clint Eastwood. Yeah. What a movie. Um, yeah, no, I like one of my favorite scenes in this movie is like after he does the performance and the bowler hat guy's like spying on the frogs and he's at the bar. He's like, yo, Jimmy, tell us the story again. And he's just like, he's just, <laughs> they're all just like sitting at a bar. And then the bowler hat guy's like, frogs at a bar? Like, so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just but like, I love they're how... the only ones I would want like merchandise of. <clears throat> Something I love about this movie is how like it explains kind of nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it just presents everything to you, and that's that's the joke most of the time. Um, like I love how it just like especially when you're going through the Robinson house and you're introduced to all this wacky shit, mm-hmm. and none of this is it explained like none of it it's like completely like left up to your imagination which is the point of the movie and i love that <laughs> like i think it's just it's so cute and creative like every yeah. frame of this movie and i like that it's also not like super high tech yeah like it's almost like they're literally just living in a theme park like yeah their front lawn is made out of like trampolines and like they have like these like tubes and slides and people like travel in like bubbles like it's very fun design and it's not high tech and that's like their idea of what the future is yeah. um so it just makes like it much more exciting for kids also like the score in those scenes like okay go off Danny Elfman 
mm-hmm. but the like vocals in the score like that's like some Annette bullshit <laughs> that's like some spark bullshit <laughs> um the, that would be Annette <laughs> I, I got something for you yeah. um the puppet that the guy is married to is actually baby Annette all grown up mm-hmm. I could see it um yeah that's another thing I'm talking about like just like throw away shit like that like this guy is married to a puppet on his hand that he married. yeah and then Lewis asks about it and it's like so is she uh um and then like what does he say to that um he's like cranky yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like <laughs> and it's never addressed again and I love that yeah and then like it's funny when um, he's like, so what does your dad look like? Tom Selleck, go. <laughs> like, who, who voices him. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like a painting of Tom Selleck. Like, it's like stuff like that. Like, this movie is really funny. Like, yeah. Yeah, I remember, because, um, like, this was a movie that I went to see with my mom. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I remember, like, one of my friends in elementary school, like, came with us. You know, as you do when you're a kid, you, you bring a friend to the movies with you. And I remember my mom was like, she didn't like the marketing for this movie. So she was kind of like, eh, you know, we'll see. Like, it looks whatever. And I remember, like, on the way out, she was like, that was great. <laughs> like, she was like, that was a great movie. Um, and I remember, like, it was one of those movies, like, like a good test for how much my mom enjoyed a movie was if uh, whenever she went to her, like, weekly, like, Walmart or Target trip, she would just, like, randomly buy it without me asking her to do that. <laughs> and sure enough, like, one day she came home and, like, I think, like, late 2007, she, she came home and she's just, just like, oh, I, I bought me the Robinsons if you want to watch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like, the best feeling, like, DVDs used to come out on, like, Tuesdays, I think, right? Yeah, wow, throwback. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, being, like, oh, can we, like, if it was, like, a really good movie, I would, like, keep track on when it would be coming out, and I'd be, like, it's coming out on Tuesday, can we go to Best Buy? Yeah, yeah, me too. I, one of my favorite, like, memories of, like, buying a DVD was, um, I think it was, like, a week or two before it came out, but uh, I went to a CVS one day mm-hmm. as a kid, and I, my mom, like, sent me into, like, buy something for her I can't remember like I think it was just like a diet coke or some shit and um so I went in there and then I went up to like the, the you know the where you, where you check out mm-hmm. and you know where how at CVS they have like uh the, the DVDs up front mm-hmm. they had the Incredibles on display like two weeks early and I was like oh they have it early <laughs> <laughs> so I bought my mom's Diet Coke and then I ran out of the store and I just brought it to her car window and I'm like mom they have the Incredibles can I please have $20 to buy it <laughs> and she's like can you not wait two weeks I'm like no I have to have it today and she like just gave me $20 she's like go wild <laughs> um, but like yeah I remember like that was such a good feeling like when you would just like have like the physical copy of a movie and like and i I hate to sound like fucking old right now but like like yeah it's nice to have things on like the just like at your disposal nowadays right like on streaming Mm -hmm. and it is it's nice it's a luxury i don't want to go back but that being said immense nostalgia for like actually having to wait for things and like having it feel special 
that something goes on DVD. Like that's a that's something that we're never gonna have again, and that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like in terms of like release dates or whatever, like I either don't really keep track of them or it's just like unnecessary. Um, like, well, like even now when they release, it's like it's digital. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody. Like, I haven't bought a Blu-ray in, like, like an actual, like, released Blu-ray. Because I bought, like, Criterions recently. Mm-hmm. But I I haven't bought, like, an actual Blu-ray for a new movie. And, like, I think The Last Jedi was the last one I bought, maybe. Yeah. Um, Everything I bought new since then has been digital. Yeah. And, like, I, I love to add to my digital collection, but it's, like, I don't keep up with the release dates. Because... You know, especially, like, with Marvel and Star Wars. Now it's on Disney Plus before it's even on sale. Yeah. So it doesn't really um, matter. If it's, like, a newer movie, like, I'll usually get it, like, if I, like, see it for, like, $10 or less. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I recently got Phantom Thread as a gift. I literally didn't even own Phantom Thread. I would, like, log into your, like, Movies Anywhere account or whatever, your Voodoo. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. When she changed the icon to, like, Poppy from Trolls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I got it as a gift, like, this past year. I didn't even have it. Um, That's wild to me. Yeah, and I don't have it on vinyl either. Isn't that insane? That is, that's really crazy. I yeah, like, that's, I'll get um... it eventually. It's one of those things where, like, I'll get it eventually. Uh-huh. Like, I hate to sound like, like, I'm, like, uh, fucking 500 Days of Summer or whatever, <laughs> but I, like, never really order vinyl like that are like that's like specific or like go into a store like looking for something specific i'll usually just like buy things like if i happen to see them like i like randomly came across because like if i just like went out and bought like all my favorite albums or like ordered them online it's like i would waste so much money like i just like buy something if i see it and like i'll just like walk into a store and be like oh they have another billy joel album that i don't have like let me get that and like I got, I was, like, looking for a while, like, ever since, like, friend of the pod, Courtney, she had a screening of Last Temptation of Christ for um, Easter this past year, and I saw what the vinyl looked like of the score, and I was like, holy shit, and I've been looking the past few times I went into record stores, I finally found it, I find, like, I found, like, the There Will Be Blood soundtrack, so, like, or score, I'll find it eventually, you know, but anyway, yeah, (laughs) Blu-ray, um, yeah that's one that i would like i would like to own the phantom thread blu-ray um and i don't even like buy blu-rays anymore but like i would like to have it next to my criterions even though it's not a criterion um just because like that's a movie i would like if my internet went out i would put on phantom thread to like just take me out of the 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 mood yeah yeah i keep mine on my criterion shelf. like that's what i do nowadays like if i can't watch something and my internet's out and I have to, like, wait for, like, the internet repair people to come out. Um, shout out to Spectrum that crashes. Like, it's, like, 90 bucks a month, and I, it crashes, like, once a week. Like, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> An anti-Spectrum <laughs> podcast. Seriously. They're going to shut off your Wi-Fi. They're going to hear you talking about them, and they're just going to shut it off mid-pod and won't be able to talk. Dude, I... Okay, I'm going to vent for a second about Spectrum. Uh, Last week, my power... This is also to Duke Energy in Florida. So, uh, Duke Energy, fuck you. Um, My power went out for seven 
hours. And these motherfuckers did not repair. Like, it was just the the whole fucking cracked or whatever. And they didn't even drive out to assess it until, like, four hours after the fact. Which, like, okay, fuck you guys. Um, like, not the actual repair people. You guys are great. But, like, the company, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, power comes back on. I'm sweating my balls off. And I'm like, okay, at least I can check my stupid little tweets. And no, the internet's out too. And I'm like, well, fuck. So I get on the phone with Spectrum and I tell this customer service person, I'm like, hey, um, uh, blah, 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 internet out. I'm pretty sure it's due to a a previous power outage though. Um, And they're like, oh no, you're the only one in the area affected. We're gonna have to come out in the morning. And and I get, I get like, referred to, like, four different customer service people telling me the same shit mm-hmm. for two hours. And I have work the next morning. And I'm telling them, I'm like, I cannot have someone come out in the morning because I'm going to go to work. And there's no mm-hmm. one to be home. And then finally, two hours later, or maybe, like, an hour and 45 minutes later, it's like, they said, oh, actually, it is a larger service issue. Um, it's not just you. And I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> I've been telling you that. So, uh, Spectrum can suck my balls, and um, Duke Energy can eat my ass, is what I'm trying to say. Cool. Yeah. Neither Robinson's. Good movie. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, sorry, I'm itching. uh, I'm itching mosquito bite. Why was that so funny? Sorry, I'm itching. Uh, but I guess we can talk about, like... Because, like, there's not a lot to talk about in the middle. Because, like, it's it's so sporadic, you know? There's not one real thing to cling on to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, it's adventurous, it's wacky. I love all of it. Um, it moves so fast, but, like, in a perfect way, you know? Like, mm-hmm. not, not too fast, but it moves just fast enough. To where you don't question anything, which I love. Yeah. That's like my favorite thing in a movie is like when it goes so fast that you just, you're like, okay, I accept it. It's kind of really simple too. Yeah. That's what I love. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say like my, the another heartbreaking part is when they're, um, they invite him to be part of the family. Yeah. Like immediately. And he's just like, wow. Like they don't even. They don't care about any of like not only do they not care about the things that he dislikes about himself, they love the things that he dislikes about himself. Mm-hmm. And like, fuck, dude. <laughs> that's really good. That's like yeah. really that's like that's good. It's, like that's what I said shit. before about him like them like toasting to him failing to like yeah. fix something. And yeah, no, and that's great. And it's it's just like so well written, but like that scene, um, you know, where his hat falls off and they realize who he is, but he doesn't know like why mm-hmm. they don't want him anymore. And like the look on his face when she's like, you know, like you're a good kid, but we can't have you. And he just yeah. doesn't understand. Yeah. Like, fuck. <laughs> That's like, like genuinely sad, like actual heartbreaking, like stuff right there. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think they do a really good job of 
showing the dynamics of the family, how they're not even, like, like, they present them as, like, wacky, like, obviously, like, everyone is, like, so weird, like, each individual person, Mm -hmm. but when they show them all together, how they actually, like, operate and, like, bounce off of each other, it's, like, very heartwarming, and especially when they invite him in, I think. Because that's just something that he, like, does not have. Yeah, and... But the thing is, like, even... Like, when you think deeper about it, too, it's, like... Like, he's immediately, like, sad about, like... When they, like, say, like, hey, you can't... If you're from the past, and... Or even, like, deeper, it's... You're the dad, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't get it. But it's, like, it's it's really a beautiful sentiment that, like... He's looking for this, like, family that will take him in. But the family really starts with him. Like, yeah. he's the one that starts all this. Like, his, uh, like, the the validation of, like, ideas and failure, that's him. That's, like, that's the ideology they all got from him. And yeah. so that just, like, validates his entire purpose, like, his entire being at the start of this movie, at the end of this movie. Yeah. Like, the movie is just about, like, being true to your path and ideas and the ups and downs of life. Like, it's beautiful. (laughs) Like, it's a great movie to show to kids. I didn't even think about that, like, until you just said that. Like, their whole family motto being keep moving forward, and that's what they tell him as inspiration, is literally, like, something that he in the future says all the time. Yeah, it like, the thing that affects him so deeply is just something that he believes, but he couldn't articulate as a kid. And it's, oh, it's so good. (laughs) Like, the writing is good in this movie. Like... Yeah. And not just, like, good for a kid's movie. It's, like, good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, no, it's it's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, the emotional beats of this absolutely, like, freaking knock it out of the park. Yeah, like, I would say, it's, if there's anything to complain about, it's not even complain about, but, like, structurally, it's very weird the way it's, like, edited and, like, placed together, almost. Like, it, it's a weird mishmash of, like, narrative structure, but it's so unique, and by the time it's over, it just, like, it's an absolute home run emotionally that it doesn't even matter, you know? Like, it, and if anything, it adds to it, you know? That's what makes it feel so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, like, when they go back, uh, back to the present or whatever, um... And they have, like, the redo of the science fair. Mm-hmm. And you... Oh, God, I can't even... Like, without getting emotional. Um, Lori Metcalf, the, the coffee lady. You find out that that's his adopted mom. And, mm-hmm. like... Ugh, fuck. And uh, what's the guy's... The husband's name? I forgot. Who wears all um, this shit backwards? I don't know, but I love him so much. I think so, he's the best person in the whole world. <laughs> it's <laughs> what does he say? It's like, uh, no, my clothes aren't backwards. My my, my, head, my is. head is. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. Um, no, it's just like it's so sweet. Like the way they just immediately are like, "You're a great kid." Like, mm. like, oh, dude, so good. Yeah, just him realizing in that scene that, like, all the people from his family are just, like, in the room with him and he, like, they, like, don't know it yet is, like, incredible. I love it. But, like, that that musical cue when that fucking song kicks in and mm-hmm. they ask, it's like, 
Oh, what's it? I forgot the guy's name, but he's like, you have a bright future, Lewis. He's like, yeah, I do. And then the song kicks in. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, exactly. And then, like, and I love, like, when they go, um, when he moves into the house, you see the uh, the lab that he, you, you see earlier in the future uh-huh. that uh, he's so amazed by. And uh, you just see him, like, setting up his equipment already Mm -hmm. as a kid and it's just and that's where the buildings that's where the building is still in the future like he never moves that's just where the robinson place evolves in that same house that he gets adopted to yeah like it's just so beautiful it's so good yeah damn what a movie what a film um and then it ends with the 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 walt disney like that quote the quote yeah um i think that was from i think the source of the quote why didn't i look up the source of the quote um before we started recording i think it was when he was presenting the plans for disney or something oh okay well disney quote um Mm, what is it from? Walt's archives. Let's see. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, I love that. I, that sounds about right. The the presentation for Disney. Like okay, yeah. This was um his presentation for Imagineering. Oh, oh. Well, that makes sense since that's what. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. After the quote, it, it's like, so the quote is, there's really, there's really no secret about our approach. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. We're always exploring and experimenting. At WED, we call it Imagineering, the blending of creative imagination with technical know-how. Yeah. So it is like, a, it's essentially like a Parks movie. Yeah, I mean, it does Tomorrowland better than the Tomorrowland movie did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Today did you ever see that movie? No. Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. I know that I'll be really sad if I watch it. Well, I don't even know if you would be, because it's, like, it's not, like, bad, bad. It's, like, it makes me, it, do, it does make me sad, but only in the sense of, like, it has its heart in the right place. But like, it's like it's something that it's everything that I would want out of a movie. Sure. You know, like a movie about like Tomorrowland. <laughs> um. Well, like I remember being excited because Brad Bird, you know, mm-hmm. director of The Incredibles and uh, Ratatouille, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, which fucking rocks. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, he did it, and I was like, oh, there's like no way this could be bad, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not terrible. I don't think it's an awful movie. Mm -hmm. It's just like one of those movies that um, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just it's kind of nothing. Like it's just like uh, it. Like I think there's a great movie in there somewhere. It's just not quite there. Yeah, I think that's what'll make me the most upset about it. Yeah, like it's just mediocre potential. Yeah, Um, it's a mediocre movie with a big heart that for some reason has George Clooney in it. And yeah. I find it funny that that's the George Clooney, uh, that that's the movie that George Clooney 
did for Disney, nothing else. That one. Like that's yeah. fascinating. Um yeah, I I love like obviously like we know, we all know I love Disney parks. I love like things that are not I don't know, I guess because this feels like like I said in the beginning, like it's just like the spirit of what Disney World was supposed to be. Like, it feels almost like when Disney World was first presented. Um, yeah, because, you know, I was there. Um, it was presented with, like, the technical aspects before even, like, incorporating in, like, the movies and, like, the, like, fairy taleness of it all. Um, and, like, with, like, the plans for Epcot and stuff like that and, like, the cars and the trains and that's very much like the root of Disney. And I think that that is really cool how it's presented here. Yeah, no, that's, that's all really like cool. I like all that. So, this is a parks movie. <laughs> I'm saying it now. It's a parks movie. It's a parks movie in the good way and not like the bad way that it could have been. You yeah. Know? It's not like the country bears movie. Which I do want to cover. Don't that even. Don't even. I watched it like last week. I'm not saying soon. I'm just saying at some point. Like we can't not cover it. <laughs> That's not a bear. That's my brother. Please. What a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> what a. I can't wait to. I can't wait to. I showed a, we showed a group of people the Country Bears movie. We watched it amongst a group. And the majority of them have never seen the actual Country Bears. And I'm excited to uh, visit the Country Bears in about two weeks and show people what the Country Bears actually are. <laughs> um, where are the Country Bears on January 5th, 2021? Um... In Frontierland. Interesting. Gonna need photo evidence of that. All right. Um, <laughs> they've never moved from their spot, so. <laughs> that you know of. Um, <laughs> we need, like, Night at the Museum, but at Disney World. No, wait, that's Five Nights at Freddy's, right? That's, um, that is a book. Like, King Kingdom Keepers or whatever? Yeah, Kingdom Keepers. I think I'm gonna get into those. I, I met the author of that book. Um, uh, he went. He came to my school when I was yeah. uh, like in fifth grade or fourth grade or some shit. The yeah. first, I remember, I loved the first book when I was a kid. That, and it, from what I remember, it's like very like, it, like it, it's really well done in the like Orlando details that it gets. It gets like extremely right. Um, unlike Paper Towns by John Green, which is weird because <laughs> he is from Orlando, so it feels like he should get them right. Yeah. Um, which takes place at my old high school. Um, but, like, there's something in that book where, like, he, they break into SeaWorld by, like, hopping the fence. And I'm like, I remember that, that. Yeah. yeah. That fence is, like, 80 feet tall. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, Kingdom Keepers. Uh, I, I can't say if it's great because I read it in fifth grade, but I have good memories with it. So, if, now at the museum for Disney sounds good to you, check that yeah. out. Yeah. 
Maybe this will be my like dumb Disney purchase. I mean, dumb eBay purchase. Honestly, I would validate this one because I'm I'm curious yeah. to have you read it and tell me if it holds up. I'll just like bring it to. Uh, I'll bring it to work. Do it. Yeah. Actually, do it. I I support this. Yeah, so- I just I love things like that where it's just like. There's just, like, so much, like, lore, like, within the parks themselves. And I tried to get into, like, the Epic Mickey games because I realized that, like, it's more based on, like, the parks than, like, I don't know, really anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I just could not get through it because the camera in it is, like, bad. But I really, like, I crave um, content like that. Content. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When that game started, did you just say, like, wow, this is epic? Yeah. It's actually really scary, honestly. Why do I doubt it? Um, No, like, literally, it opens with, like, Mickey, like, getting kidnapped and, like, having his brain, like, pulled out or something. Good. Um, No, I'll... I'll never play it, but um, it's not. It's like, I'm not gonna lie on Pod, uh, I, but no, I like I, I like the design of Mickey in that game, from what I remember. Um, yeah, look up the concept art for it. It's fucking scary. I'm pretty sure I have done it live on Pod before. Like, yeah, this probably. Is not the first time you brought it up. Yeah. Um, I will say one last thing. Uh, yeah. uh, Kara's gonna read Kingdom Keepers. Um, Adam is gonna try to finish Dune for the eighth time before the movie comes out. <laughs> um, I <laughs> let me go on Apple Books real quick. How far are you into it? Um, let me. I'm trying to find Apple Books app. Maybe this is why I can't find it. Um, okay, I uh, 23 percent. So good. Doing doing bad. You're doing a great job. Thanks. Is it ever like slow at work where you can read or? Uh. No. Mm. I wish. That's why I don't get any reading done because I'm so busy fucking working. I want to. Yeah. And then when I get off work, I'm too tired to read. And then it's like. I, it's, uh, I don't pay the listeners to hear me, but. Uh, I feel but, that. But one day I'll finish Dune. Hopefully. Fuck work. <laughs> Pizza Man said fuck work. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, my favorite all time by the way no time. literally that's like my favorite picture <laughs> that and it's like uh uh photoshopped onto the Karl Marx communist manifesto mm-hmm. uh, absolutely sublime meme uh fantastic yeah pizza man fuck work all right well is that it yeah I think that's a great last line to the episode pizza man fuck work <laughs> Um, this pizza man said a fuck work um, in, in two weeks when I get to see Kira. Hell yeah. I, I took the day off just to. <laughs> and you didn't just take the day off to Skype me. No, folks. Maybe some content coming towards you. Content mm-hmm. question, like a picture of the two of them. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> two second content no yeah we're gonna work while we hang out the one day every like few years that we see each other (laughs) um no it'll be a good picture at least hopefully yeah yeah not just like the tops of our heads yeah Yeah. um 
All right. Well, my dream in life is to one day like go to like a Waffle House or something with you and like take our album art in real life. Um, like put our heads on pancakes. Oh, God. Um, maybe one. I mean, is that obtainable in two weeks? Probably not, right? No, I don't want to do that. No. <laughs> Wait, why? Why? I I don't want to get like syrup in my hair. We don't have time. Is the main thing. We don't have time to go order pancakes. We don't like, have time to order pancakes. When you when you go on a trip, it like it's especially to like Disney. It's like planned down to the last minute. Um. Next time I'm around, we'll get pancakes. All right. All right. Um. So. Yeah, you guys, you is that it? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. You can, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore not Sandler and my uh and my other podcast, the Aggressively Okay podcast. Uh, and you can find that on Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever you pod. You can follow me on Twitter at garlic emoji. And if you follow me on social media, I have not shut the fuck up about it at all, and I'm not going to. I directed a music video for Deirdre Crean called Content, and I'm very proud of it. Um, you can find it, like, on YouTube and uh, also stream her EP, New Year's Day, which I did the album art for. Um, yeah, a cool project that I finally released onto the world. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Zillennial Canon, on Instagram at the Zillennial Canon. And uh, send us reviews and rate us and send us memes and send us voicemails. Yeah, absolutely. Please do that. <laughs> uh, our phone number is on our Twitter in a pinned yes. tweet. Yes, yeah. please send it in. We, uh, we, we get so many endorphins just from that. So much serotonin. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, all right, guys. Keep moving forward. Nice. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>